we're on the boulevard now. We're on I know. Boulevard. Back on the Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> after after a bit of a unintentional hiatus. Yes. Between work and life and Doug's internet connection. But those of you who didn't just hear our Back on the Block podcast will be pleasantly surprised to know that Karen and I are in the same room and it has working internet. Yes. And it has great connectivity. Yes. And so we're... As do we. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the same room and it's super exciting. Um, So, uh, you know, this is going to be a really great episode of Hollywood Boulevard where I have absolutely nothing to contribute. No, you'll ask, <laughs> you'll ask really thoughtful questions. Well, thank you. Doug is going to babble and Karen will, will ask clarifying questions. Um, let's talk about movies. Yeah, because you're going to talk about a lot of the Os- a few of the Oscars yes, nominated. Will, yes, and I just said at the end of the other podcast, you will either be hearing this just after the Oscars, which are on Sunday the 9th, today is Saturday the 8th. Um, I'm going to talk about a few of the Oscar movies that are in contention. Um... And I'm also going to post my official predictions that I already uh, already published earlier this week. I'll put that on the podcast, too, so you can see how wrong I ended up being. Um, So either listen to this to gear up for the Oscars or listen to this after the fact and hear why Doug may have been wrong. Um, But, yeah, we'll catch up on some things. Okay, so remind me, what movies did you want to talk about? Um, I never said anything about... Marriage Story or Jojo Rabbit, the the Scar Joe double whammy. Right. Um, and we also never talked about Joker, which is a movie that you had asked about. Right. Um, in the past, and I can also end by giving just a couple of like the high end predictions. Um, now, because Marriage Story is on Netflix, it is on Netflix, and I meant to watch it. And I, you know, I really there were a few of the Oscar nominated movies that I did want to watch. Marriage Story was one of them, even though I'm not a Scar Joe fan. I'm not a ScarJo hater. She's never been one of my favorites. Um, I like her fine. What, mm-hmm. I'll, what, what I'll end up saying is I much prefer Jojo Rabbit, and I much prefer her work in Jojo Rabbit to Marriage Story and almost anyone's work in Marriage Story. Um, but Marriage Story is the one that you can get on Netflix. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's a movie that's just neither here nor there for me. And I it's see. one of those that... I know this is me being old man and negative and blah, 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 but it's kind of like if it didn't come in, ushered in by all of the Oscar season hype at the beginning of the fall as like one of the big heavy hitters, I just don't know that anyone would have seen this not at, you know out of context and said, oh, this is one of the year's great movies. Um, I'm, I don't know if there is a lot to spoil. I don't think this is a spoiler to say. It's primarily a divorce story. Right. But there have been multiple schools of thought over the years about, like, what is a good kind of divorce movie. Kramer versus Kramer swept the Oscars 40 years ago. Right. And during the entire time, I came of age as, like, a critical writer about what is objectively good or not. Kramer versus Kramer is considered, like, schmaltz melodrama. It's considered... Not great storytelling, though I think it is a fiercely acted film right. by all four of the principal characters. Marriage Story kind of makes Kramer versus Kramer look like Citizen Kane. I think it's actually Why a very... Why nominated? Because I think everyone's standards are lower, and I think no one is truly discerning. I mean, I think almost every movie this year that's in the mix, and I will say, I feel much more positive about this year's general slate of films 
barring Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than I did for the last couple of years. This isn't the embarrassed face that I'm making as I go over to my computer and look up Oscar nominations 2020 because I've been Would you like me to just state what these movies are? No, I mean no, we're fine. I I mean I just need to I just need to go look cuz I just don't even remember. Oh, look at this fancy website here. Okay, so the Oh yeah, that's right. The Irishman. We talked about that. We I did talk get about that one. 20 the minutes and I had to give up. Um the I mean what we I think what we find in general is a lot of mediocrity that's elevated kind of because that's all we've got. Um uh, I mean, uh, there's a lot to say about Marriage Story. I will say Adam Driver is legitimately great. Okay. And Scarlett is, like, legitimately She's fine. fine. Okay. You know, they're a couple in the arts. She has grown up in a Hollywood family that's, like, a middle-class Hollywood family. Like, kind of one percenty, but not superstars or super famous. Right. Um, and he is an off-off-Broadway theater director. And they have, a, I think, an eight-year-old son. Um, they're living in Brooklyn, which is where Noah Baumbach, writer-director, is from. Um, and basically at the beginning of the film, the uh, mediation they have attempted isn't really working. And Scarlett Johansson's character wants to go back to L.A. and, and sort of reclaim a TV and film career that she had abandoned as, mm-hmm. as like a teen, early right. 20-something star. Meanwhile, Adam Driver's character, who we're kind of inclined to believe has had an affair. Um, his, like, really obscure off-off-Broadway show is getting a Broadway run, and also he's winning <laughs> a MacArthur Genius Grant. But the divorce... The, there, there's shifting blame. Your allegiances are, are kind of split between two of them as to, like, who's really sort of being more selfish and less conciliatory. Um... And there are arguments to be made on both sides, though they don't feel very deep to me. Um, But it's really a a custody story. So that's why I mentioned Kramer. Kramer, Right, right, because that was essentially You know, that divorce was never in question. It was always just a matter of of custody. Um, And I just, you know, the thing about Kramer versus Kramer is, is it melodramatic? It is. But those scenes between father and son and then in the courtroom between Mm. ex-husband and ex-wife, are fire. Yeah. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, you get one, to me, requisite feeling scene where they really just sort of let each other have it that people now say is great, and it's probably going to be a scene they show for one or both of them in the Oscar clip. Um, and it's like, this is the closest peak we seem to get at some sort of mm-hmm. uh, uh, information, like some sort of background on Why? what they were like, even as a couple. To me, this is my problem. Um, it's not the same, but in Juno, the Jason Bateman, Jennifer right. Garner character, we meet them at a point when they're basically ready to break up. Right. And I never get a sense of why, why? they were together. And, right. That's how I feel about this couple. We meet them and they're already ready to part. So I don't really know what they're fighting for because I don't really know what they had for That's ten or so years. That's so interesting. It's, it sounds like okay. So it sounds like I mean, when, when sort of you're talking about storytelling, right? Or uh, you were talking the the, the ubiquitous you. Um, there, there's the idea that you need to show the current like current situation. You need to like so, so that you can see 
where you're starting so that you can kind of see where the character then ends up. You see where the character changes, right? I mean, does that happen here? Because you, it sounds like you're just kind there, of missing a before that you're, really you need to you're see. You're missing a before, which to me makes the whole middle of the piece suffer. Okay. But there, there is an arc because okay. we, we don't find them in the same place at the end which is more of a denouement than any sort of falling action. Okay. Um, then, then we do when we meet them at the beginning. But it's also, you know, the custody case means that he has to give up his life in New York and establish residency in California okay. so that he might be able to, to maintain, or like, half custody of, of the son. But he's able to do that. I mean, like, not everyone, especially yeah. off-Broadway directors, are able to just pick up and do that. So I'm already, Probably like... better for his career I don't, to do that, actually. I don't really, like, sympathize yeah. with you. So And there's, there's a couple other things. One is, it's largely believed that this comes from Noah Baumbach's own divorce from Jennifer Jason Lee. That, we, oh. that he's kind of that this kind of energized and fueled that but I don't think all of his information is right mm. like there's one scene where Adam Driver is kind of like shopping around different attorneys and it finds out Scarlett Johansson's character has already been to some of those and the attorneys say well if she's already visited us yeah, even if can. we haven't hired her right. I don't actually think that's true no, and I've I spoken that. to lawyers it, oh, really? that it's not necessarily fruit of a poison tree oh, that like they can still they can take still you take on and it. represent oh. you um, but that does lead me to the other point, which is the the actors who play the supporting parts of the lawyers. Ray Liotta is really good as like oh. a high end attorney that Adam Driver consults, and Alan Alda is amazing as always as a sort of Bernie Sanders esque <laughs> lawyer. I mean, like lower rent right. is what I mean by that uh, attorney that that Adam Driver entertains. Um, and then there's Laura Dern as Scarlett Johansson's lawyer. So Laura Dern's going to win the Oscar. She's won every other precursor award. And it's kind of a nothing part. It's, I think, one of the the leanest roles Laura Dern has ever had. I feel like Laura Dern, though, is having a real She's having a song. She's having a time. Between that and Little Women, this seems to be her moment. But her character gets a very pointed monologue against the patriarchy. Okay. I, I like. I don't even know that it's the best delivered monologue in her category. I mean, this ranks like twenty fifth of all the performances I've ever watched Laura Dern give, and I've discussed on this podcast my my love for her. It's kind of like when Regina King won last year. It's like Regina King is amazing, but her part in If Beale Street Could Talk was so nothing. It's like you're just know, giving it to I her. Wonder, give yeah, I wonder if they give it because like Laura Dern has been. A, Laura Dern is an institution. institution Laura Dern is great. Kind of like how she's actually about, a high ranking official in the academy so there are all of those things you know she, you know it's sort of like that well we should have given it to you for a while you know for maybe wild at heart you know which yeah. i thought was like she just acted the shit out of that movie She's her so and great. nick cage that, like, i mean i mean i've listed in the top pet, like, five movies of yeah, my life that show know. enlightened blue velvet like yeah. rambling rose citizen i mean she's amazing she's amazing so this is to me her least amazing i know but maybe but just, it was just sort of like it's laura Jones she'll give a great time. speech so it's fine but you know kind of like uh what is it they've been talking about brad pitt with like his oscar moment yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know but, i plead the fifth so, yeah i know you do yeah. Okay, so anyway. um, so you know, if you already have a Netflix subscription, it literally doesn't cost you anything to watch but Marriage time. Story. But time, well, that's my thing. Time, um, it's it's worth watching, but to me, it doesn't rise to anything truly award worthy. Scarlet in it is fine. 
I think Adam Driver is the one who's really giving well, like, a, a solid yeah. performance he's that wonderful. lifts up the material. Everyone else just sort of meets it where it is and is fine. Right. Um, and like The Irishman, the momentum for both of those movies really seems to have waned. I thought it was a sure thing for an original screenplay Oscar, and it no longer really seems to be in that conversation. So I'm curious, before we go any further, out of these, who do you think is going to walk away with Best Picture out of our art? We've got... Uh, my, uh, putting my money where my mouth is? Yeah. 1917. And which one do you think... Parasite deserves to win. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, by, I was going to make that assumption that you think uh, yeah, Parasite by a long deserves shot. it. Parasite is my number one movie of the year. Knives Out is my number two. Okay. And of these, Jojo Rabbit is my next favorite. Tell me about that one. Um, I loved it. Uh, what is it about? So it, uh, it is about a young kind of outcast child with a single mother. She's not widowed. She's been abandoned. And that's oh. Scarlett Johansson. Um, Roman Griffin Davis is the young boy whose name is Jojo. Um, and he is essentially a Hitler youth. I mean, this is this is World War II. This oh, is Hitler Germany. Wow. And... And he he's a lonely little boy. He is a sensitive little boy. Um, and and he Hitler shows up in the movie and, and and it's my understanding this is based on a book called Caging Skies that I've not read that Hitler is not a character in the book. In the book. Hitler is essentially the imaginary friend of the boy. Uh oh wow. So the so it's not really Hitler. It yeah. is the writer director uh Taika Watiti who did what we do in the shadows and directed Thor Ragnarok. Um and he's playing you know uh Hitler as a chaplain-esque buffoon imaginary friend of this very lonely boy. Um and I I wasn't sure if it's a surprise or not, but it turns out that Scarlett Johansson is harboring a young Jewish girl in the house. And eventually, Jojo discovers her, and it's it's sort of what happens there. Um, I think it is a very... First of all, it's a black comedy. It's a very pure story, but it puts you in the mind of this kid, and it shows you how easy it is, when this is your reality in the world around you, to believe in the lie. Right. It's not pro-Hitler. It's not propaganda. It's not about Hitler at all. It shows what it's like to have been an impressionable youth during that time. It's, I've kind of heard nothing about... It's weird. This is one of the movies that I really heard nothing about except that it existed. So yeah. I didn't know the backstory. I didn't even. I actually didn't even know who was in it. I think. Yeah. I think recently I learned that she was Scarjo was in it. Cause, right. You know, but but it, so so this was one of those movies where I knew nothing about it, and it actually sounds really fascinating. And I it's great. To see I, it. I I highly recommend it to everyone. Um, definitely one of my preferred movies of the year. I think she's great in it. Did it get a backlash though? Because you're saying it's yes. not about it. Did. What's What's funny about it is of all of the films this award season. This is the one whose momentum seems to have kicked in the latest. Right. So it it didn't seem to be like much of a contender, and all of a sudden has won a BAFTA award, a Writers Guild award for adapted screenplay. Wow. And a lot of people say it's going to win adapted screenplay. I'm going to officially say Little Women because there seems to be a lot of affection for that. Though my fingers are crossed for this to win adapted. Um, before I I talk about the backlash, I do want to say Roman Griffin Davis as the child. Fantastic performance. Did he get a nomination? Not for the Oscar, but he got a Globe nomination. And it's it's actually like an adorable thing. Taron Edgerton overlooked for Rocket Man, but he won the Golden Globe in the same category. He was in the Kingsman movies, which I've never seen. But 
he found out that this little kid was a huge fan of the Kingsman, and he got him a Kingsman suit, which the kid wore to the uh oh, and he like gave him a special call out when he won to the it was like the That's most really adorable, adorable thing. Okay. There's also a second kid named Archie Yates who's also playing like one of the Hitler youth in in the movie. These are like the most adorable kids. Alyssa is she looks them up all the time online. Like she can't see enough of them. Aww. Like and like these are both really talented guys, not giving kid performances, but giving like solid right. like legit performances. Mm-hmm. Um so there is there is backlash. Like every film at this stage, because social media you can has it. There are there are a lot of people who are like, oh, this is bad, this is promoting the Nazi. This couldn't do more to not promote oh, Nazis yeah. or hate. Um, also, uh, there are actors like um, Sam Rockwell is in it. Oh, wow. And, um, um, oh, God, I can't... What's her name who was in uh, the Pitch Perfect movies and Isn't It Romantic and Bridesmaids? Um, I have to... Rebel Wilson? Yes, thank okay. you. She's in it, um, um, among others. Uh, I think it's a really good cast. I think it's a beautifully made movie. I think everything from costumes and production design is great. Yeah, there is backlash. And recently, people took Taika Waititi to task for saying he didn't research Hitler at all when asked. You wouldn't have to, because this has nothing to do, with Hitler. to do with Hitler. This is about what it's like to grow up when this is your reality and yeah. just how easy it is and the connection that Thomason I want to say Wilson that's not her name who plays the young girl in the house mm-hmm. also has a really nice rapport um, with uh, Roman Griffin Davis I love the movie I can get if it's not for everyone if you recoil from the Holocaust period right but but there are some really beautiful moments and as the plot turns it makes sense psychologically like the choices this kid makes um so i think it's a i think it's a great you know look at what that sort of uh like you know conspiracy you know uh it sounds provocative right but not not too much but not in a not in a not in not in a way that is like it's provocative in in the ideas right but it's not necessarily like and by provocative, I don't mean it in a bad way, like provocative. Yeah, like, I, I think it, I think like, it forces you to to look at a situation from a different standpoint yeah. than you would have. But it, but I don't think it is a tough movie to watch. I right. do not think it puts you in a difficult position as a viewer. Okay, personally. because I just think that you, you know, too. I, I don't know. I think that this is like the 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 knee jerk element of our culture now is yeah, which I have a lot of problems. Like with. sometimes yeah. you do have to stop and you have to like look at and it doesn't mean that, that it's right it just means that you need to look at something and sort of say well why why would that happen and yeah. and and it sounds like this is sort of like you're talking about like there's a disaffected yeah. kid and you and I actually think it's a very open-minded sort of mindset to to yeah. to watch it through because okay you know it's so easy to say in 2020 oh everything about the Nazis is bad but but there were people who actually to live under that rule and there were young people who grew up during that rule, and there were parents who didn't have the power to do anything. I guess it's also people, I don't know, for me, it's like when you sort of see that level of hatred, right? I mean, I guess like when you look at, maybe maybe it is me, like you look at like like a serial killer too, like Mm -hmm. when you're looking at like a serial killer or somebody with that level of hatred in them, don't you want to kind of know why? Like what oh, yeah, happened because, to you? Because, like what happened because to it's you more than hatred. So much. Yeah, because it's more than yeah, hatred. Yeah, it is more than hatred at because, that point. Because 
even the people who do the bad things, criminal things, sinful things, they don't wake up knowing they're doing bad things. They wake up every morning thinking they're doing the thing that they need. Somebody said something. I can't remember who, who, who this was, so I'm not going to be able to attribute it. And it wasn't me. But it was the idea that the villain and the the vil, a villain is actually the hero of their in his story. own story. Yeah. And, and, and it still doesn't make like an atrocity the right it thing. It's not it about excusing. Excru- excuse no. an atrocity, but it, it is about looking at this perspective and learn, and maybe learning yeah. what what had ha- what had to happen that created this monster, yeah. right? Like what had to happen? Yeah, which is probably a good segue into Joker. Yes, actually. because that's another thing. I was actually listening to Terry Gross's interview with the director. Oh, I listened to that right after I watched. Oh, uh, it. it was yeah. a, it was on. It was a repeat. Was on yesterday, and I and and oh, it okay. actually made me want to see the movie. I originally did not want to see the movie because I saw the last one with Harlequin and uh, oh yeah, the, the Suicide Squad. Yeah, the Suicide yeah. Squad, and I was kind of like, eh, I'm kind of over this, you know. But now. I really want to see the Joker. I'm I'm definitely of two minds. A lot of people. I mean, there is. This is probably the most vitriol-inducing right. film of like of this bunch of this year's conversation. And for me, if I had any problems with it, it's nothing to do with the fact that this is uh, a violent guy or ostensibly an incel. Though I don't see it that way. Uh, it's just neither here nor there. This right. is not a really well-researched or enlightening movie, mm-hmm. but it's also one that is not particularly hard to watch. It, it just sort of feels kind of familiar. Right. They have set Arkham and Gotham. It's, I think, 81. It feels very much like the Scorsese-esque yeah. 70s taxi driver type movies, later also King of Comedy. Um, and uh, so, and he, refer- he actually referenced a lot of those movies in his. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's visually yeah. very yeah. apparent, like from from the beginning. Um, it really does feel like you're watching like New York at the worst of like the Koch era. Yeah. Um, and so it's Arthur Fleck is is the Joaquin Phoenix character, and you know we see him he lives with his mom and eventually we get a lot of of reasons for him to be you know disenfranchised they give you some mental health reasons they give you some past abuse reasons um and it's you know there there is a bruce wayne and the wayne family hover in the background but it's primarily um this guy eventually gets his hands on a gun and kills people and then there are a lot of copycat people that dress with like the white clown makeup and call right. themselves the joker as as we know it and 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 you know and we follow him on that path knowing it will ultimately lead him to become a foil to bruce wayne slash Batman, right. but it's really just about the Arthur Fleck character and how he became what I, he became. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a new kind of origin story. Huh. Um, that was fine. I mean, like it hit kind of all the notes I expected it to, and you know, n- there are violent scenes that weren't too hard to sit through, okay. but there were also, I think, a few surprises. Okay, I could get that people don't want to see it, but I also think. Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are far more violent movies and movies that do far more to excuse the violence that the male characters perpetrate. Than the Joker. Yeah. Um, But the conversation really comes down to Joaquin Phoenix. I don't think it's one of his, like, five best performances, but it's a committed performance. I mean, I think he's going to win. And 
and I think it's a, I think it's a deserved kind of it giving it, giving it his all right. performance of the five nominees. I'd probably say Antonio Banderas deserves it, okay. but I'd have also put Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems yeah. and Taron Egerton yeah. for Rocket Man in there, and Roman Griffin Davis. Right. I mean, those for me are the four great performances um, of the of the year. I also think it's weird just to go back to Irishman for a second. Robert De Niro was like always out of the conversation. As much as Pacino and Pesci have stayed in the conversation for the movie, mm. I think that's a little weird. But back to Joker, mm. it's a Best Picture nominee, and Bradley Cooper is a producer, and not enough people know that, so he will be there on Oscar night, and that's important because oh, that's, that's my thrilled. wife's hall pass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so those are, I think I've sort of wrapped it up. I don't know if I ever officially talked about 1917. It, it's a technical triumph. It, it, it's a marvel. Um, it, it basically looks at one man's journey over the course of one day and night to deliver a message. Um, it's shot and edited to look like it's a single take. Okay. Um, but even if it wasn't, I mean, like, everything about it, the editing, the production, design, the sound, it's all pristine. Um, you know, the performances are good. There are a couple names that show up, like Colin Firth and mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch, and they're all in it for, like, 45 seconds. Okay. Uh, and, like, Alyssa was like, it's like a Muppet movie. When Joan Rivers <laughs> would show up, and then she <laughs> was done. Disappear. Gregory Hines shows up, and then he's gone. Um, yeah, I think, I do think that will win Best Picture. I think it's going to be a sweep. I think okay. it'll probably also win Best uh, Director. And um, and I'm I'm fine with that. Like, it is not, it is not a bad choice. Well, um, I wish Parasite would win, though. I, I wish Parasite would win, not even to make history, because at this point anytime the Oscars make history, it's always like, overdue. Right. So it's like, oh, finally. Right, finally. Um, yeah. But Parasite was very easy to watch. It's a very enjoyable movie, right. in addition to being a really skillfully told story and a really well, skillfully made film. I think that's the director. I mean, right there. Yeah, every, mo- every, every time movie. Every yeah. Every movie he's done has been a, just yeah. a, so, so easy yeah. to watch. So now he's in the conversation. Which now is great. more people Which will know it. Which he needs to be. Yeah. yeah. He absolutely deserves to be in the um, And then the kind of one-off category is Best Actress which looks like it's Renee Zellweger's to win for Judy. Okay. Which is kind of a, a mess of a movie. Um, I'm actually a big Renee Zellweger fan. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Um, I've always loved her. I think she's like a Michelle Pfeiffer or Jodie Foster where doesn't really have a lot of training but I don't right. think she's ever had like a wrong intonation in any single line delivery in any movie. Um, she's already won for Cold Mountain, though I think her best performances are Nurse Betty and One True Thing and Chicago and White Oleander. Oh, I, oh, she was wonderful in White Oleander, but I'm sorry, she will always be Bridget Jones. I, oh, yes, and then there's Bridget Jones. <laughs> um, Which I'm sure she's not I happy think, about. But, but I know but. there are a lot of people... Like, she's never been everyone's favorite. No, she I know hasn't. a lot of people, they're like, eh, Renee Zellweger. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that it's been such an obstacle-free path to a second Oscar. Yeah. It's it's one of the more unexpected things. I just don't think there's anyone in this category or, or who wanted to and didn't get in that, like, seemed to give her much of a fight. So it seems to be a sure thing. Um, I do think uh, if there's an upset, I think the category that comes closest to supporting actress Either Scarlett Johansson or Florence Pugh and Little Women could possibly get in there over Laura Dern. I just don't see it happening. Well, here's my... So, okay. So, just really quickly. Actor and a supporting. That's where we have Brad Pitt. Um, do, you, and like the do you think this is going to be his? It's, yeah. I think it's signed, sealed, it's and signed, delivered. signed, sealed, and You think he's going to get it. And the one saving grace for me in this category is because I do not think he should win, um, is that he's not 
taking it from anyone who doesn't already have one or two. Okay, gotcha. De Niro has two. Tom Hanks has two. Anthony Hopkins has one. Does for Pesci like have my one? best and yeah, Pesci has one for Goodfellas. For Goodfellas, okay. Um, I mean, these are people who have not just one, but one for like truly worthy, iconic movies right. already. So it's like, all right, if all the voters just want Brad Pitt to have one, then mm, just they're just not. Give it to Brad. It's not like someone else is losing and it's going to be their one shot. Let's just give it to Brad. Yeah, all and right. that's kind of kind of what it's like. Um, so yeah, and that, you know, I think it's going to be a very unsurprising Oscars. Um, and for all the talk about how behind the times the Oscars are, because Oscars so white, Oscars so male, Oscars so old, whatever it is, they're the metric, but they're not the problem. I mean, when you talk in January or February about like what Hollywood is honoring, the problem starts this year for next year. Like, look at the whole year. Look at who. Look at who's able to really market themselves, and look right. at like who's really doing the green lighting, that sort of thing. Is this is is this our first Oscar season without Harvey Weinstein? We, we, I think we've had a couple without him by now. We've had this a second. Is this the is third. the second or third. Well, Hard since to all, tell. The, the, all the big problems that he's had since all that came down. Um. The story broke in late yes. 2017, at which point I think he uh, and the Weinstein company were really out of the mix. Of the, okay. So I think this is right, the, the third, third year okay, all right. when he hasn't. Because I will say this um, briefly because I haven't finished it. Um, I, I, I'm like almost all the way through um, uh, Catch and Kill. Oh, the Ronan Farrow. Ronan Farrow's yeah, book. which I haven't read yet in one um, too. Extraordinary. He also has a podcast, the Catch and Kill podcast, which How long can it go on? Catch and Kill? Yeah. Or the podcast? podcast. I mean I think the podcast is like I think Audible is sponsoring it, so like they're kind of promoting buying the audiobook. Because you get yeah. snippets, like it's the book. It's the book, but you get snippets, but like it doesn't do the deep dive like the book does. So I think it just exists as sort of maybe a promotional piece for the book or for the audiobook or something like that but you know if you want something if you're a podcast listener it's absolutely worth listening to because i enjoy my podcast yeah I, so, I, you know. we've both wanted to to read the book um and did you read she said no like uh, what's it jody Cantor and megan tui no i, I want to read, read that i want to read that next but i did listen to and this is me promoting another podcast uh the daily the new york times one right and tui interviewed um the defense attorney for Harvey Weinstein. I listened to it yesterday, and I need to listen to that. Yeah, the, it got intense. Little... It didn't get heated, but it got intense. I need because, to listen to that. Um, you, you know, I mean, I I largely take the side of Megan Tui, but some of the defense attorney's answers were interesting. Mm. I will say this: I think that what was sort of interesting with Ronan Farrow is that he was. He is, first of all, I want to meet this man because he sounds so lovely in this book. Like, he just sounds like the I've, nicest I've, guy. I've you know, listened to him in other interviews. In yeah. the world. And so he just is so, he's he's funny. He's, self, he's so self-effacing. Um, you know, he he knows his, like, all all his own family controversies and stuff like that. And he doesn't quite shy away from it. And he's no, quick I mean, to like, poke fun. I've heard people, you know, yeah. rip him about stuff. And he's and actually he'll, quick. He'll acknowledge Yeah, it. he yeah. acknowledges it. Quick to poke fun. Um, you know, somebody sort of like threw out there at one point, and he brings it up in the book, like his own origin story, who's his dad. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, like really he, Frank Sinatra's yeah, son. Yeah, <laughs> he is so Frank Sinatra's son. So Frank Sinatra's son. But it's just this really wonderful, um, it, I thought, I think it was a tremendous story as as I sit across from NBC News, um, those fucking yeah. cowards. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, really. 
And I think that if you have interest in Hollywood, it's a great book. I think if you have interest in the news media, it is actually a necessary so. think, book. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. is a necessary book because, and it's like it's like one of those books where I'm going to force all my clients to, to, to read it because you will see the inner workings of a news organization and what makes a story and what makes a story die. And I, I think it's going to surprise people. And I think it will surprise people. I think it's eye-opening. I think that people don't understand not only how difficult it is to find a reporter or a writer to take your story seriously and to invest their time and the resources yes. and then to see that story die because somebody above is worried about ratings. They're worried about money. Advertisers. They're worried yeah, about yeah. advertisers. Yeah. They're worried about losing out on on famous guests that right. propel the Today right. Show um, because they're, they have their own skeletons in their closet, in closets. It is Fascinating! It yeah. is absolutely fascinating, and it is highly recommended. I'm not yeah, even done with wanna, it. Yeah, we, we definitely want to read that. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, it's just the the story and everything are, uh, around it is kind of endless. I mean, we could talk about it forever, and I could we read about it should, forever. Yeah. I mean, I have a vested interest in that. I have my own experiences with frequent <laughs> workplace abuse, <laughs> so. So I come at it from that angle right. too, but just in general, I mean, it's fascinating. It's fascinating how much of how rampant it is, how much of it exists, and how many people turn a blind eye to it. And th- it happens everywhere. It does happen everywhere. This isn't. It isn't like just Harvey was the one bad actor. No, and it's not. Yeah, and you it's know? not like oh, well, it's only like famous news anchors do this or anything. Yeah, like, no. yeah, no. It, it, hap- it, it like, happens like any corporation where there are powerful people means there are protected people, and they yeah. take advantage of that. And and these they're just not sexy. No. So no. So they're not going to get the big splashy news no. stories, you know. But this is a huge, huge issue. It's yeah. a huge issue, and it goes much deeper and bigger than Harvey Weinstein and yeah. NBC and, and it's also important yeah. to remember that just because this is public and we're discussing in ways we haven't before doesn't mean the problem is solved at all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, please. I mean, I think people think, I think people think like, okay, so these were perpetrators and now they've been outed and now they'll be punished and like, it's done. Yeah, 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 no, no. no. There's a a lot of like workplace toxicity that is a bigger issue. And I think it's worse now in a lot of ways than it's been before. I mean, I think if you look back at like the Mad Men era, like it always existed. Uh, but in some ways, I think it's tacitly approved now just as much as yeah, it was absolutely. in the past. Absolutely. And especially in industries that you'll always have people desperate to get into those sort of glamour yeah. industries, you know, fashion, TV, film, yeah. um, you know, corporate beauty brands, you know, yes. advertising, you know, the sort of more creative. Yeah. And, and because they are, quote unquote, creative industries... There, there tends to be a little bit more forgiveness for untoward behavior yeah. because we're sort of like wacky creatives. Right, you right. Know? It's like, and, oh, and well, this, this is what you have to go through to get the final product yeah, somehow. Yeah, and, and they're just eccentric. They don't mean anything by it. They're just eccentric. And I think that, you know, it's great that we're sort of chipping away at that mi- that mythology because it, yeah. it, it is it is damaging and it, it is it is wrong for lack of a better word it's, it's absolutely wrong, wrong. Yeah. you know and people find all sorts of ways to justify it. right right so um so yeah i i thought i had nothing to talk about but i do have something small yeah, you, you kept but like i said i haven't twist. i haven't read it all the way through yet but um but so far it's it's fascinating it's and he did a tremendous and job i'll look into that podcast too 
Yeah, and and it's great, and he's 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 actually a really wonderful storyteller. I and totally believe that. I kind of poo pooed him in the beginning oh, because I was like, well, because I said that, but I, I did too. you can, you know when you like when like I'm sorry they gave Chelsea Clinton a, her own TV show and she right. was terrible, right? So you see, like you, the, like Ronan went to law school. It kind of looked like he was kind of flailing a bit with what he wanted to do with his life, and then all of a sudden and he's it's got like, this oh, of show. course he turns to media, yeah, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden he's got this show on MSNBC, and I'm sort of sitting there when he got that show rolled. Rolling my eyes, you know, oh, famous people, look at this. And actually, he deserves to be in that position. He is a very good journalist. Yeah, he's a, yeah, and he's a legitimate And he's journalist. a legitimate journalist, and yeah. he did the work. Yeah. He did the work. He really did the work, and um, and he care. and he's one of those, he's a rare journalist that gives a shit, I will say this. That yeah, comes I mean, across he, and he everything. pursued he it very probably passionate. after many people told him not to yeah. and kept at it. And he was yeah. very passionate, and he was dogged, and he was yeah. determined to get this story, and and um and you know it was it was it's anyway I'm a big fan now so if I run into him on the subway because he takes the subway I'm gonna be um good to know I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna fangirl all over him because he's awesome I might say something I might fangirl for me Feel like so I'm for the me. famous Dakota building is on my block mm-hmm. where I live and um so that's where they did Rosemary's Baby yes and Mia Farrow is in that so I feel like there's two degrees of separation degrees. between me and Ronan which yeah. is um, they're two big degrees, yeah. but I feel it nonetheless. Yeah. All right. So, um, so there you guys have it. Our first glitch-free Hollywood Boulevard in weeks. Crazy. Um, so yeah, we'll try and get this up as soon as we can. And, um, like I said, if you want to check out my Oscar predictions, um, you can see if I'm an expert or if I'm Jon Snow and I know nothing. <laughs> I literally know nothing because <laughs> I watch none of these movies. Um, Except the Irishman for twenty minutes. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, we'll be good till we're, we're good till next time. Then I think so. I think we're great till next time. We're great till next time. It was good to be in the pleasure same room seeing with you. you face to face. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening. Yep, we'll see you back on the boulevard.